Amen. What an incredible moment of encouragement that we've had this morning through worship, through our prayer time. I know God has already renewed and refreshed me in so many ways, and I know he's blessed you through this as well. Hey, I want to speak to you about encouragement this morning. You know, this is supposed to be the place, the context, where you can truly find encouragement in relationships. When you think of the church itself, when you think about the people of God, that's where you should find encouragement. It's the place where you should find refreshment and renewal when you come together. I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 today, and I want to show you how the community of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus, is the context for encouragement. Now, many of us, we enjoy compliments. We enjoy affirmation. We enjoy encouragement. The great philosopher Mark Twain, he said that if he had one compliment, that it would get him through two more months of his life. Just one compliment could help him get through the next couple of months. And sometimes it's just a word. It's a powerful word that's spoken into our lives that somehow encourages us to continue going. And again... I think we find the best expression of that in the church life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. He's down in Corinth. He had been removed for them for just a few months after he had planted the church and after he had gotten the church going. He's writing to them, and again, he, he speaks a word of encouragement, and he tells us how he encouraged them specifically by sending Timothy to them. So begin in verse 1, if you will, with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, it says, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact... We told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. So Paul writes to them and he says, hey, we found it our responsibility. There was the practical responsibility that we felt to encourage you. And how did they encourage the church at Thessalonica? By sending Timothy to them. Timothy had been there with them, but now Timothy comes face to face to be able to encourage them. Actually, the words in the scripture, it says that he was sent in verse 2 to establish and to encourage. To establish and to encourage. The word establish means to strengthen. It means to bring forth a support system 
to help individuals out. Actually, in the original language, the word is sterizo. It's like the Greek verb sterizo. And again, I can tell some of you just had a moment of revival when I mentioned the Greek word. You love that, don't you? But sterizo, listen to it. The Greek word translates over into our English word. It translates over into the English word steroid. That's where we get the word steroid from, which means to strengthen. It means to support in some way. Now, a lot of times around this season of the year, I will kind of have a little bit of a cold. Now, I know it's not a good time to be having a cold. And listen, I did not say I have a cold. I did not say I have any symptoms of the cold. Like when I said that this morning, some people, they don't listen to me from Sunday to Sunday. You know that, right? Like I think they just heard me say a cold this morning. And people are like, you could see like, what? What is he doing here this morning if he's got a cold? What is he doing? I do not have a cold, okay? But sometimes around this season, I do get a cold. And I go to the doctor. And I know what they're going to do. When I go see this doctor and I tell them what's going on, the doctor is going to give me something wonderful. It's going to be a steroid shot. They're going to give me that steroid shot, and I'm going to tell you it is like a miracle drug. Like, I feel like I could do anything. I could leap tall buildings in a single bound. I could get up and I could preach eight straight hours and then go and do whatever else. I mean, I could do anything. Any of you ever had that shot before? You know what I'm talking about? Now, there is a crash that comes sometime afterwards but you don't sleep the first three days like you just just work it you just you just do whatever because it's just like it timothy was sent to give them some strength to perk them up a little bit to encourage them to help them because they were going through some tough times and they needed some encouragement the word encourage i give you this word in the New Testament, it is from the word parakaleo, which means the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the one called alongside. That's what that word means. Did you realize that that's the same word that's used in John chapter 14 by Jesus to describe the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit is like the paraclete. He is the one, the the one who is called alongside to help. That's the reason the translation sometimes will say the comforter or the helper. The ones who are called alongside. So Timothy goes up to Thessalonica to strengthen them and also to comfort or encourage them. What is he encouraging? He's encouraging their collective faith. That's what it says. It says that he was sent to encourage you concerning your collective faith, like your faith together, the faith that you hold as a church. He is coming to encourage. And not only did Timothy encourage the church at Thessalonica, this is what I noticed as I was studying through. The church at Thessalonica actually encouraged like Paul and Silas and Timothy like it was a two-way street because encouragement is a two-way street like you encourage somebody but you also receive encouragement I hope like it's a two-way street in the community of faith 
Notice again in verse 6, it says, Timothy has come to us, he's brought us good news. And in verse 7 it says, that in all our afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning you. In other words, like, they sent Timothy up to encourage the church at Thessalonica, but when Timothy came back and he started telling them the good news, oh, that word there, it's the same word for evangelize, like bringing the good news of the gospel. It's kind of like all of a sudden they experienced the gospel over again because they heard what God was doing up in Thessalonica. It's a two-way street. They were encouraged. In the church context, in the community of faith that we have, there ought to be constant encouragement back and forth. You ought to be encouraging other people, and you also should be receiving encouragement from other individuals. It should be a mutual relationship. It's actually a command that God gives us. Hey, over in chapter 5, verse 11, Paul will get there and he'll say this to them. Therefore, comfort each other or encourage each other and edify one another. In other words, it's a command. You and I are called to encourage one another. You know, yesterday on our campus, we had several different things going on, but one I think most effective and really one of the most blessed ministries we have here is called Upward. I like Upward. I like the seeing the children play, and they learn a little bit about basketball, and hopefully they know a lot more about Jesus even before it's over with. I like seeing the families. It's a, it's a great time because there are families that come into uh, our facilities here that maybe we would never see in any other way. And we're able to share the good news with them. It's, it's a great time. Now, a lot of you, you're involved in the upward ministry here, and I've seen you. Some of you have children that are playing or grandchildren that are playing. You know what I've noticed? Like, when I'm there at ball games. There are people that are sitting in the stands, and most of them are not necessarily quiet. They really don't look like your Sunday morning crowd. Most of them are saying stuff. They're saying things. Now, hopefully, positive things. There are a couple. I could name them. But hopefully, they'll be in the altar at the end of this message, okay? But most people are saying positive things. They're saying, hey, good pass. Great shot. Way to be there. Keep going. You'll hear people like in the, in the stands just like screaming out. Like, hey, just, just, just keep it up. And they're encouraging the people that are there that are playing. They're encouraging. And I mean, these are some people, again, that are like, they're out there cheering and all. And when they come in on Sunday morning, they're kind of like, <clears> hmm. <throat> I'm not emotional. I'm, no, I'm not to be emotional. Put you in a sports arena and you get emotional. You cheer. You scream. I've often thought about those spirit squads. You know, sometimes we have official spirit squads. I mean, like, their designation is what? Cheer the team on. Cheer. I mean, that's what you're to do. No matter if you're getting beaten 50 to 5, you are to be out there cheering for that team. That's what you're to do. You're to put on the best face. You're to cheer. You're to encourage. That's what you are supposed to do. Again, there are times I think about the spirit squad, and I think, 
Man, we need some of those in our churches. Like we need, I know we got all kind of committees, but maybe we can get a spirit squad committee. Like, you know, a group of people, like they're the people that will cheer you on. They're the people that will help you. I mean, you going through something, the church, maybe it's, you know, they're there to sh shout out to you. They're people that will shout out to you and say, keep going. I know it's tough. I see what you're going through, but keep going. Hey, great decision. Great that you follow through. Be faithful. I'm talking about people that will scream out. And these are people, get this, these are people that are not on the sidelines, hopefully. They're actually in the game with you. And they're actually speaking in your life as you are speaking in theirs. And they're encouraging. I think maybe sometimes we just need to designate some spirit squads around here so that people can cheer on one another. But then I realize God didn't want it just to be a specialty of some folks. He intended it to be a practice of us all. He didn't want to just appoint a spirit squad in the church to cheer people on and encourage people. He actually expected every one of us to encourage individuals. Well, that's just not my spiritual gift. Just not the... I, you know, you study Barnabas... And Barnabas was the son of encouragement, the son of exhortation. And he just had the spiritual gift. I'm just not a Barnabas. Neither was Paul. But Paul learned how to encourage people. I had a guy come up to me after I was preaching one Sunday. Thankfully, it wasn't here at Temple. It was another church. But we were talking about spiritual gifts. He came right up to me and he said, Brother Reggie, I've... I found my spiritual gift. And I said, you have. That's awesome. What is it? He said, criticism. I thought he was, I really thought he was kidding. Because, I mean, come on. One, that's a spiritual gift. And two, you would actually tell the preacher that. I mean, come on. Like, he was not kidding. He's like, no, I, I think that's really what I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm like, I have a spiritual gift of criticism. Okay. You know, there are a lot of spiritual gifts. There are a lot. I'm not sure I could justify that one through the scripture anywhere, but there are a lot. I, I, maybe you need to work on. You know, I hear people say, well, I'm just not bent toward encouragement. Well, you know what? Ask God to bend you a different way. Because you and I are called to be encouragers. We're not, we don't just have an elite team. I know there's those, again, Barnabases, the spiritual gifts, but God has called all of us to be encouraging people. He's called all of us. He's called the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be people who will encourage one another. Especially when people are going through the toughest times of their lives. I saw this this week. Somebody had shared this. It said, church should be a community of people that stumble upon each other in the valley. That find each other in the ditches. Church should be a colony of cripples, a place where we don't have to hide our handicap, a place where the wounded feel welcomed. There is a tremendous comfort in knowing that I don't have to just limp along alone. We can lean on each other and limp along together. Because all of us come here with baggage. All of us have come here with a background. All of us are facing different things. And this should be a place of refreshment and renewal. This is a place where we are to encourage one another. 
Now, I'm not saying we don't talk about hard issues. I'm not saying that we shouldn't address those difficult subjects of the Scripture. We do that. But we should always be people of encouragement. Always. It says, he came to encourage. I told you that word means to call alongside. Timothy had been called alongside of them. And you know what? You and I get to walk alongside of each other. God called you to believe, but he also called you to belong. So that you could connect in community and you could walk alongside of people when they were going through some tough times. Maybe it was when you were trying to make a decision about your major or even school. Or maybe it was a health issue that you were facing. Maybe it was a relational decision that you were making. But people walked right with you. I wish I could take some time to have some testimonies of some of our folks who could stand and tell you about times when the people of God walked with them. It might have been when they lost a child. It might have been as they faced the diagnosis of cancer. It might have been because a wife or a husband decided the relationship wasn't worth it. And yet it was the people of God that walked with them through that to encourage them. It was a Sunday school class. I've heard them say it over and over about how my Sunday school class was there for me. It was a group of Bible study guys that they had been a part of that walked with them through that. You see, that's what God calls us to do, to encourage one another, to walk alongside, to come alongside, to be there with people when they're going through their toughest time. Because get this, that is the practical reason to encourage others. Like there's a responsibility that the church has, but it's because of the tough life, the difficulty we face each and every day. Let me show you this. It says again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Verse 3, it says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened. And you know, you hear what he's saying? He says, I told you it was going to get tough. I told you that this world was going to be difficult for you. I predicted that there would be affliction and even persecution. The reason people need encouragement is because this is tough. Walking the Christian life in this world is difficult. Even, even Paul said it, verse 7, he said, Therefore, brethren, in all our afflictions and distress we were comforted. Even the apostle said it was tough. Why is it so tough? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-filled world. All this stuff, all this difficulty, all these challenges is because we're living in a fallen world. Sin has radically transformed this world. Look, back in the garden, you never would have used the word pandemic. There would not have been a pandemic in the garden. As a matter of fact, you never heard of a, of a disaster, like a weather disaster. You never heard of a tornado coming through or a hurricane coming through. You never would have heard of that. You never would have heard of sickness. You never would have heard of those things. What happened? It was through the fall of man 
It was through sin that entered into the world that it dramatically changed everything. And the world got tougher. And Satan himself was pushing back against the kingdom of God. Even, even when, hey, even when Paul's writing here, he says, I know that the tempter was coming to you and he was going to try to tempt you like he was coming at you. The reason people need to be encouraged is because this world is tough and people, the armies of Satan are coming at us each and every day. And the results of sin are so apparent around us. The world can beat you down. When I come on Sunday morning, I look out and I see folks, and I realize, I'm trying to realize even more and more as I get older that I'm talking to a congregation of people that the world's tried to beat down all week. Satan has tried to beat you down. The world's tried to beat you down. If you're living for Christ, that is. If you're not, Satan's probably not too worried about you. But if you're living for the Lord, you're probably going to have some difficulties. You are going to have some difficulties. And it's going to be tough. And that is the reason we need each other. And we need each other to speak into one another's lives. And we need encouragement. We need this. You don't believe me? The writer of Hebrews said this. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaches. Did you hear what he said? He said, you're going to need people more as the day of Christ comes. As it gets closer, it's going to get tougher, and you're going to need more people around you speaking into your life and encouraging you. That's what he said. So, Based on his word, I could say to you, we need people and we need the people of God more today than we ever have. Why? Because we're closer to the day of Christ than we ever have been. You and I need community. We need the connection with one another. Well, let me give you some practical recommendations of how you can encourage one another. Based on this scripture, because I'm going to draw it out of this scripture, but practical recommendations that you can encourage one another. One, just visit with other people. Make a visit every now and then. I know we're in a bad time, and I want you to do it very safely, and I want you to consider things, but look, sometimes you just need to show up. You just need to show up and be there. If somebody's going through a tough time, just be there. Hey, when you make a visit, hey, and I draw this from here because he sent Timothy so that... Timothy made a visit to them. That was the encouragement. Like, go. Hey, go. Maybe, maybe take a lemon ice box pie with you when you go. King cake will even do this time of year. Take something with you. Go check on them. You know, one of the greatest things we had in our Southern Baptist churches in years past is what I call the casserole ministry. It was never an official committee it was never necessarily voted on by the church. But you know what I'm talking about. Something would be going on in your family's life. And all of a sudden, somebody shows up at your door with a casserole. Now, some of those casseroles were suspect. But it was about the casserole 
in the presence of that person standing there that was encouraging, that was there for you, that was there for your parents, that they were there for your grandparents. And, and casserole ministry may look different. And I know we've moved in a lot of different ways, but I'm going to tell you, we better never lose the personal touch and the personal ministry that we have with people. If we do, we've lost it. Because that's where we encourage. It's what we call the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence. I see some uh, folks from Zachary, and I followed a pastor at Zachary who had been there 39 years. His name was Wayne Barnes. And Wayne was noted for going and visiting and seeing people, probably did pastoral ministry better than anybody I'd ever known up to that point. Now, I will tell you, there's a guy in our church now named Dale Oden that's pretty close. And actually, he, he, he reaches the same heights as Dr. Barnes. But Dr. Barnes just taught me that when I was there. It's like, sometimes you just got to show up. You say, well, I don't know what to say. That's okay. Sometimes you don't need to say anything. Well, I don't know. I'm afraid if I do say, just hush. It's okay. They don't need a theological explanation from you at that point. All they are grateful for is that you are there with them. It's the ministry of presence. Timothy went. He showed up to encourage them. I tell you that you and I need to encourage others just to be there for one another. Maybe you can't be there physically. You know what you could do? You could write a note. What's Paul doing right here? He's writing a letter. He couldn't be there. He sent Timothy. There was a visit, but then he sent a letter. Like he sent a note for you and I to send notes. Maybe a text message, an email. I still personally think it's nice to receive a handwritten note. Just sit down and write something to somebody. And encourage them. So when I finished up preaching last week, I walked back into my office, and there on my door had been plastered all these little notes. Some of you did that, you third, fourth, fifth graders who have Sunday school at nine, you, uh, you wrote those notes. Then I got another note when I left here, my daughter handed it to me, it was from the third grade Sunday school class that that meets at 1030. And it was just notes, and all those third graders signed it. And let me tell you, you can be a third, you can be a fourth, you can be a fifth grader, whatever. You can encourage people because when I walked back there that day and I saw that, it just, it did affirm and encourage me in who I was. Sometimes when I get to preaching and I have... I believe the Spirit's working, and I kind of reach a high up here, and when I leave this place, sometimes it's like I've crashed. Boom. But what it was like to be able to walk back there and see that note of encouragement. Thank you, third, fourth, and fifth graders, for doing that for me. And listen, you've received notes of encouragement before, and it meant a lot. Why don't you turn around and encourage somebody else? Turn around and say, hey, if God puts, you, puts them on your mind, text them right then. Don't wait. Don't wait. I've learned this through the years. I, I'm not a real mystic. I think most of you know that. Like, I don't get up in the morning 
And when I'm eating my cornflakes, I don't ask God to spell out the message in the cornflakes for me. I feel like he kind of works through his word. And I've got enough of his word and revelation to kind of direct me and help me out. So I don't need all the cornflakes. But I will tell you this. There are times I'll get up in the morning or maybe in the middle of the night. And God will put a certain person on my mind. Sometimes I hadn't seen that person in three years. And then boom, all of a sudden. And you know what I've learned to do is text them as soon as I can. Because it's amazing how something was going on in their life. And they needed to hear just at that moment from me. Even if I've been removed from their lives for some time. I tell you, you can practically encourage other people by sending a note, sending a text. William Ward said this. He said, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. But you encourage me and I will not forget you, he said. The power of encouragement, even in a note. Hey, pray for somebody. Pray for somebody. Did you note this? Verse 10, it says, Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face. Back in chapter 1, verse 2, it said that he made mention of the Thessalonians every time he prayed. You want to encourage somebody? Pray for them. Pray for them and then tell them you're praying for them. Now listen, don't tell them you're praying for them if you're not going to pray for them. You know, because you see that, you know, hey, we, we, yeah. oh yeah, we got you. we'll pray for you. Yeah. And then you never pray. Don't do that. You tell somebody you're going to pray for them, you pray for them. You lift them up. And it's good every now and then to say, hey, I just want you to know, I've been praying for you. Now, you got to say it truthfully. You better have been praying. But tell them. Now, what Paul, Paul said, hey, we've been praying for you. I'm not sure there's a greater act of love than praying for somebody else. I'm talking about just stopping and interceding, asking God. To be with them and to bless them. Pray for them. Give thanks for those people. Give thanks. He says in verse 9, for what thanks can we render to God for you? Be thankful for them. Be grateful for them. Tell them that you are grateful for them. Tell them and mean it. Don't just like try to contrive something. I'm talking about authentically look at that person that has meant something to you and say, I am grateful for you. Because you know what I've learned? I'm not sure when the last time will be that I will see you. I'm not sure. After last year, I used to think, okay, well, you know, all our times are limited. God may call you home before I see you again. Or he may just send something that shuts down the churches for a while and whatever else. And I can't see them some... I think I need to make the most of my time now. And you and I, when we see people and we're grateful for them, we need to say, hey, we're grateful for you. We're thankful for you. That's encouraging. That's what Paul did. Hey, love people. I'm going to talk more about that next week. Verse 6 says, though, love people. And people can tell when you love them when you don't love them. People know when it's authentic and people know when it's just pretense. But love them. That encourages them. Live faithfully. Live faithfully. Verse 8 said, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord, or maybe since you stand fast in the Lord. Because of your testimony, we can live. So, the testimony had been encouraging. What the Thessalonians were doing and how they stayed faithful. You know how encouraging it is to watch people 
that are believers with you, even part of your community of faith, how they keep going, how they are faithful no matter what. Is that not encouraging to you in your life? I think over the past few months, I've seen some people who have struggled with health issues, like cancer. And yet, I've seen them face cancer. I've seen them struggle, yes, physically, but I've also seen them where they have sought the Lord. It was tough. There were moments and doubts in their lives, but I saw them reaffirm their faith, how they trusted the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, just watching that individual encouraged me. I was like, if that individual can go through this and they can hold to their faith, so should we be able to look at Jesus Christ, our hope and our life, and live as effectively as that individual is living. Just not long ago, I watched... I watched one who took care of her sister as her sister began to approach that moment where she would see the Lord face to face. And this one would take care of her and she was so faithful to her. And she, I think it spoke more to me than any sermon I'd ever heard preached. Because when we live faithfully and we live according to the testimony of Christ, we can encourage other people to live faithfully. As well, you're gonna mess up, and that's fine. Be, be honest. Just say, "Hey, that was a mess." That's, but live faithfully. And finally, I just give you this: a practical. I think this is a practical recommendation for encouraging others. I know it sounds general, but I'm just gonna say this: give life to all the relationships you're a part of. Give life. I was struck by verse eight. I couldn't get over verse eight, actually. I just kind of dwelled there for a while. For Paul said, now we live. Listen to what he said. Now we live. Why? Because he had heard their testimony and what they were doing. And it was like because of their lives, because of what the Thessalonians were doing, he had life. It's like he went on living. There was some type of vitality because of the relationship of encouragement. You and I need to give life in our relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, about verse 45. A few years ago, I was reading through that. I was going through a Bible study. And I got to that verse, and I'd never noticed this before. But it was really intriguing to me. It compared the first Adam... With the second Adam, which we know the second Adam would be Jesus. And it said that the first Adam was a living being. That's what it says. A living being. But then it said Jesus was a life-giving spirit. And Paul was trying to draw a contrast between the two. Like the first Adam, well, he was a living breed, uh, being. But the second Adam, Jesus... Jesus was like a life-giving spirit. So this is what I worked out of that. Adam, well, he existed, but Jesus gave life. And there are a lot of people in our churches today, and there are a lot of people in our community today that are existing, and they're existing in relationships. They're existing in their job. They're existing at school. They're just doing all that. But if you are a believer in Christ... 
You are to convey the life of Christ to other people. You are to give them life. Paul says, we've experienced life because of you all. We've been encouraged. We have life. I'm telling you, there are too many folks that can draw life out of people. There are too many people in the church. There are too many people in our community. There are too many people in your workplace that will just draw the life out of you. But my friends, when you walk, when you walk into that office, when you walk into that classroom, when you walk into that church, when you walk in, your intent should be to give life to people because you are the very representation of life itself, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you encourage others. Give them life. Just, just give them life. Convey life. You see, we have a practical responsibility as a church to encourage. Why? Because there's a reason. Life's tough. And it's the church, the group of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, that's where you should find encouragement. How do you do it? You make a visit. Write a note. Pray for somebody. Give thanks for people. Love people. Live faithfully and just give life to them. Just practical ways. You can be an encourager even this week. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. Lord, I thank you for this moment this morning. And as I said, Lord, you have encouraged me through the worship. You've encouraged me through our prayer time. You've encouraged me through reading your word and being able to share it this morning. And Father, right now... I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are here especially. There are some, Lord, that are really struggling. There are some things going on in their lives, some conflict. Even this week, the world has been beating on them and beating on them and beating on them. God, I pray that they would experience a freshness, a renewal and encouragement here in this place. I pray that you would take that person that may be sitting by them or that person that they have a relationship here in this worship service with, that you would take that individual and you would use that individual to convey life into them even this day before they leave this place. God, during this moment of commitment, there's some that may need to pour their heart out to you, maybe right where they are, maybe here at the altar. They need to see your Holy Spirit come alongside. Lord, I pray it would be a moment of healing and blessing and strengthening this morning. But God, I also pray that you'd help us to be committed. It's one thing to yearn for encouragement. It's another thing for us to commit ourselves to give encouragement. God, today I pray that you would challenge us, that you would make us people that look for opportunities to encourage others. We pray this now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Would you stand?